The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our weekly Reporter's Notebook podcast this week featuring Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' season opening win over UNI, previews the Ball State game, and talks Big Ten. You'll also hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Ball State's Pete Lembo. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times and KGYM's Tyler Chelmeland. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who discusses the defensive breakdowns last Saturday that allowed UNI's three big pass plays. Yeah, it's actually probably more than that, but yeah, there are three plays, uh, you know, there are probably about four of them, that four or five plays actually stand out for about 230 yards. So, you know, anytime you have something like that, it's uh, it involves someone on the front end and then also the secondary end as well, you know, because anytime you give up a big play, unless it's just a bomb down the field, which uh, none of those were, you know, so it's just, it's something we'll uh, continue to work on. Probably the most displeasing part about the ball game, giving up big plays, particularly in the passing game. And uh, if we're going to have a good defensive ball club, we're going to have to eliminate those things. And that, that's a team thing. Ference talks about the weapons he now has on offense and his team's offensive identity under third-year coordinator Greg Davis. It's just like your team. It, it's it's always evolving and ongoing. And uh, we're clearly more, you know, probably talented and experienced at the skill positions than we have been, you know, since, since 12. Um, you know, we, we were really struggling there in the passing game. And part of that's transition, but part of that was just, you know, we didn't uh, have a lot of experienced players there. A lot of the guys that are playing right now are guys that uh, were here then. So, you know, I thought Cavante probably played as well as he's played. Uh, maybe outside of that Pittsburgh game, you know, he really uh, made some big third down catches, which we're going to need from him. Uh, certainly Tavon, I think, is, is starting to evolve as a player and uh, you know I thought, thought we saw that at the end of the year and that's what we thought we were hoping we saw in 2012 when we pulled the red shirt so yeah it, it's all part of the process and uh, you know if we can integrate the tight ends a little bit more effectively which I think we'll be able to yeah that should be a good thing for us. Ference assesses this year's Ball State team under its coach Pete Lembo. Well they're they're Special teams and defense, I think, are aggressive, but the, their offense is really balanced. You know, they, they looked Saturday like they did last year with with some new faces. Obviously, the quarterback's new, and uh, they graduated a very good receiver, but they've got a couple that – one that was hurt last year who kind of stepped into that, filled that void. So they've got a couple of excellent receivers, and both their backs were, well, you know, 100-yard guys uh, Saturday. But they're, they're very um, balanced. You know, they, they want to be balanced. Uh, they've got good play action off their running game. Their running game is really uh, very effective and very strong. Both backs are very productive. So I mean, they, they looked like they looked like they were able to operate the way they want to operate, which is you know just they make you defend, make you defend them in all regards. So you know, it was a good start for them. Like I said they're very well coached and well coordinated. You know, and then defensively they, they 
they uh, they've got a new coordinator. You know, it's it's hard, and you only have one game to look at, so it's a little bit difficult there. But uh, schematically, it looked fairly similar to what they were, and it looks like the idea is to be aggressive with the secondary and be really you know they're going to try to get up the field on you a little bit and be disruptive with the the defensive line. And Coach Ferentz talks about the opening of Iowa's new football operations facility. This was a big deal, you know, when we got here. Uh, we were in the old field house, our first offices, then we were in the arena, and then came over here. I'm in my fourth office now in 24, 25 years, soon to be five. So, yeah, it's it's part, but it's it's a credit to, to this whole state and everybody involved because uh, this didn't this this project didn't take place in the in the bubble going up, uh, which at the when it went up that was state of the art. None of those things happened uh, with ease. You know, people have uh, really backed the program, and you know we had to raise a lot of money to put this new building up, and and, and I'm just so appreciative uh, not only for the people that have their names on the walls, but for Vales that chipped in, a lot of people chipped in. So it's uh, and that, that's how things have been done here and it's, it's really I think even that much more meaningful because so many people were involved to make this happen. Next we hear from Ball State head coach Pete Lembo who discusses his team's season opening win at home versus Colgate. It was a, it was a good start for us. Uh, I was very pleased with how smooth of an operation it was considering all the new guys in the lineup and uh, several new coaches and support staff. It didn't have any uh, new kind of feel to it. Um, a lot of credit to Ozzie Mann for just allowing us to operate offensively. We didn't have any procedural penalties or substitution uh, mistakes stakes offensively so it was it was nice uh, to, to see him take the reins and and uh, take control of our offense the way he did uh, we were able to get the run game going early and that certainly helped uh, take some pressure off of him as well uh, defensively it was a good solid day for us uh, Colgate was just two of 13 on third down and uh, they had five three and outs uh, we had a big fourth down stop in the third quarter uh, so it was, a, it was a good start for our defense a uh, couple uh, special teams uh, penalties that that really uh, hurt us that were disappointing because we've been uh, so effective in that area in, in previous years and so disciplined in that area but uh, hopefully we can learn from those things but uh, other than that just a, a good solid first day for us nothing uh, incredibly special but uh, pleased to get the win and and obviously uh, a big challenge going on the road at Iowa this week. Lembo talks about the play of his defense last Saturday. Colgate is a run heavy team and, and very good at what they do in terms of a lot of their reads schemes, it's almost like playing an option team. So holding them to uh, under 100 yards rushing and nine first downs and 227 yards total was a, was a good solid first day for our defense. Uh, we've got a couple uh, new coaches on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I'm just really pleased with, uh, with how smooth their operation was in terms of com- communicating with our players on the sideline and so forth. Lembo was asked if this year's offense with a new starting quarterback will rely more heavily on the run compared to last year's team, which had a passing game focus? Uh, I would say yes and no. Uh, we're, we're certainly uh, playing to the strengths of the group that we have this year, which is uh, some depth in the backfield and uh, a fair amount of experience on the offensive line and a tight end. And obviously with a new quarterback, uh, we want to be somewhat careful about uh, knowing his experience level and so forth. But really what we try to do offensively is take what the defense gives us. And hopefully we're good enough at receiver and quarterback and, and everywhere else that if people are packing the box against us, 
that uh, that we can take the throws that they're giving us. And, and so um, hopefully uh, we'll continue to uh, to get a little bit better each week. You know, Ozzie had a, a solid start throwing the football as well. Um, had a couple nice uh, shorter throws as well as a, a, a couple good deep throws. So hopefully he'll uh, continue to grow. I mean, he's been solid in practice. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, we, we feel like we're just running our offense. Lembo goes more in-depth about his team's defensive strengths. It's a no-name defense. Uh, we, we lost some outstanding players from last year's group. We had a, a great defensive end who's with the Colts now, uh, a really good defensive tackle, a really good corner, uh, a very good Sam linebacker, four, four seniors that all uh, graduated and, and really helped us get to where we are. Uh, so there's some new faces in the lineup, but uh, the group has played well together uh, going back as far as uh, spring practice. So I think it's just a, a good, solid group of guys, not a lot of superstars, but the, but they are playing with pretty good cohesion. Lembo talks about recruiting Iowa's Desmond King. Well, he's a terrific kid. I mean, he's just so personable and uh, uh, charismatic, carries himself extremely well. You know, for us, when we recruited him, we really felt like he would be uh, an absolute impact player in our conference and uh, not surprised to see him uh, having such a great career at Iowa. Uh, he, he's a, he's a bigger corner. He's thick. Uh, I think he's a classic uh, a boundary corner who is can cover, but is also uh, a guy that uh, very confident in, in run support. And Coach Lembo explains his game planning for Iowa. Iowa is extremely well coached, and they do what they do in all three phases of the game. It's it's a program that's uh, built itself on stability and consistency and continuity. Um, you you look at the lineup on both sides of the ball, and you see a bunch of seniors and juniors uh, at starters, and and even uh, a lot of the backups uh, as well. So uh, you know this is this is a game where you you, you have to be very very technically sound. You, you just can't make a lot of mistakes, and uh, and and hopefully uh, you make a few plays and 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 try to be pesky and hang around as long as you can and keep it close in the fourth quarter. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. (laughs) How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the UNI game, previews the Ball State contest, reports on the Big Ten, and more. Steve, the Hawkeyes came away with an opening season win last week against a very good UNI team that's going to win a lot of games this year, 31-23. to Four TDs, two through the air, two by run for Iowa to go with one field goal. UNI had two passing touchdowns, none by the run, three field goals. They had some big plays. What was your overall takeaway from that game and, and maybe some key things going forward? Yeah, I think it's a, a pretty solid foundation is what we saw Iowa establish on 
on Saturday. And it, it, it's the type of thing where, you know, there are going to be mistakes in the first game. And, and that is, you know, it's why you play the first games. It, it, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, the big play is certainly a disturbing part of it. And, and as Kirk Parents alluded to on Tuesday, you know, those are usually a combination of, uh, of issues, not only on the back end, but also up front. And, you know, player after player in, in talking with them on Tuesday, you know, seemed to indicate there were some communication issues and, you know, things that they're going to have to get ironed out if, they, if Iowa wants to be successful moving forward. But, uh, you know, I, you certainly take away the fact that they held you a 90-25 yards rushing, and, and, and that's, a, that's a great start for, for a defensive front that is going to need to be the strength of this team, uh, at least initially, and, until those guys on the back end have a chance to, to gain some experience and, and confidence. And from that standpoint, I think it was, it was a decent start for Iowa, you know, offensively. I thought Jake Rudock looked a little more calm, a little more in control, and, and had a little better handle on the offense than maybe even what he did a year ago as a, as a freshman. And, and, you know, that's to be expected with, with time. And, you know, 250 passing yards, I think that's a, uh, you know, a, it's a nice, solid performance. And, and when you can put the ball in the hands of 13 different receivers, it, it tells you what kind of depth this Iowa team has. And that, you know, that obviously extends to the running back position as well. And a number of weapons, a number of different ways that they can find ways to move the football. And, it, you know, that's always a good thing uh, uh, when, you can, when you can have a lot of different uh, looks and, and present a lot of issues for folks. You know, that, that's comforting, I think, as an offensive coordinator. And, and this certainly is, is a bag of tools that, that is, you know, filled to a much greater degree than what Greg Davis has had to work with the past couple of years. And it'll be interesting to see what he can do with them over time. Still some questions, I think, on special teams. I mean, Dylan Kidd, uh, his day punting was fairly average, fairly routine, not that much different from Connor Kornbrath, the guy who he competed with on a fairly even basis during the fall camp. And, and you know, Marshall Kane won for two in field goals and, and you know, both, uh, you know, mid-range for 37 to 40 and, and, and uh, made the 37 yard miss to 40. And, and uh, you know, the consistency is the key at that position. And history tells us that over the last, you know, last five years, three games on average for Iowa have been decided by a field goal or less. So, uh, you know, that foot is going to be pretty important moving forward. Go back to Jake just a minute and the offense as a whole. Rudock completed 31 passes out of 41 attempts, as you said, 13 different receivers. But it looked, at least to me and I think to some other folks, not sure how it came over on television, but a lot of times you and I was having seven, eight, nine guys in the box which left the receivers in man coverage. And many of those instances, you saw Iowa's receivers have separation, what looked like uh, balls that could have gone to them, but Jake checked down pretty quickly. Uh, I think Ferentz referred to that Tuesday in his press conference, is that maybe there were some more long plays that Rudock missed. Yeah, no question. And I think, again, that's a part of, part of uh, game one. Uh, you know, we, we've heard time and time again, not only from Jake and Kirk, but from Greg Davis as well, that the offense wants to be more explosive, that it wants to uh, to be involved in more deeper plays. And, you know, we didn't necessarily see that. We, we, we saw a lot of what you and I was giving Iowa defensively. Take that uh, Jake wisely in some situations went to, went to the easiest option. And, and in other situations, I think, you know, another split, you know, split second or a half second, whatever you want to call it, split Hairs that that uh, you know if he could have seen the guy a little deeper uh, certainly there were, there were plays there that were left on the field and and uh, you know that, that's where the growth will come in in, in on his end uh, you know I, I don't think 
there's any stretch of the imagination that uh, he certainly has this thing mastered yet. But uh, say uh, it, it was a good starting experience. It was not fast. He had time for the most part. There were no quarterback hurries. A lot of that had to do with the way you and I was defending as well. And there will be bigger challenges ahead. And part of the equation there is for Iowa to be successful offensively is they are going to have to throw the deep ball a little more effectively than what they have in the past and certainly a little more effectively than what they did on Saturday. Yeah, and again, you saw some of the receivers step up. I, I think there's some real promise there. One more comment on the special teams. It was good to see Kane have deep kickoffs. That's the first time in really several years we've seen kickoffs that were consistently to the goal line or through it, or in one case, through the uprights. Yeah, I, I think that's one area that probably typically gets overlooked because it, it's not a, it's not one of the stats that a lot of people focus on. But he, yeah, he did average 63.7 yards on, on his uh, on his six kicks on Saturday. And, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good start for him with four touchbacks. And, and that's uh, something that, uh, that Iowa needs and, and uh, can benefit from, no question. Uh, one last comment on the defense. On the good side of the defense, they had five sacks. They had nine tackles for loss, including Louis Trinka-Passat, a phenomenal four tackles for loss. But Iowa's defense gave up seven plays of 20-plus yards, including receptions by uh, the running back, David Johnson, for 53, 60, and 70 yards. And incidentally, he's the real deal. But boy, there, and Ferentz again alluded to this on Tuesday, there's a lot of room for improvement there in the linebackers and in terms of the linebackers and the communication with the safeties and, and handing over receivers in terms of who's going to be responsible for covering them. Absolutely. And I think uh, um, what you saw were, were a group of three linebackers getting their first taste of, of significant action. And, and uh, what you also didn't see was Josie Jewell in that mix, too. And, and you know, what, you know his, his injury last Wednesday of practice coming just a couple of days before the Open, uh, he certainly would have factored into the rotation at some point. And I think that probably disrupted things a little bit towards the end there. But uh, it's going to be one of those situations where Iowa's linebackers are going to have to kind of learn on the run. We've got a couple of situations coming up where, you know, they certainly will be tested more. And Iowa certainly has some new guys on the back end as well that, uh, uh, you know, whether it be uh, um, Jordan Lomax shifting from cornerback to safety or or Greg Maben seeing his first action as a college player as a starting cornerback. There, there are guys back there that are going to be learning on the fly to a degree, and part of that learning process is, is going to be a few mistakes along the way. Turning to this coming Saturday's game, Iowa hosts Ball State, another MAC team. Ball State comes in, it's the third game in the series, and a little factoid that's kind of interesting. In the first two games in the series, Ball State has not scored a single point against the Hawkeyes. However, this is a Ball state team that we talked about how good of a team an FCS team UNI is. Well, Ball State's a pretty darn good MAC team and an FBS team. They opened their season last week with a 30-10 home victory over Colgate. They were 10-3 a year ago with a 7-1 league record played in the Go Daddy Bowl and they've won 17 of their last 19 regular season games. They're a, they're a veteran team that knows how to win. This is a very different team than, than the Ball State team that showed up at Kinnick and, and was handled uh, 45 to, to nothing in, in, in uh, 2010, and, and certainly better than the uh, the team that Brady Hope brought in in 2005, minus about 18 or 19 players off the two deep to, who were who were suspended for, for some sort of minor NCAA rules violation just prior to the game. And uh, neither of those games are very competitive. And you know this one looks to be much more like last year's game with uh, with Northern Illinois, or you know games that Iowa have had against some of the top teams in the MAC in recent seasons. And, 
you know, this is a team that finished the run up to, to Northern in, in the West in the MAC last year, and they've got a new quarterback and, and a guy by the name of Ozzie Mann who's kind of, you know, biding his time waiting his turn. And, and uh, you know, last week they leaned a little more heavily on the running game maybe than what they had in the past. And, and I think they're trying to ease him into, into uh, you know, a role in, in, a, in, off, in an offense that has typically been a, a no, no huddle, fast tempo type thing. And, and uh, they don't intend to change their way of play, but they certainly are not going to, uh, to rush the situation with man. They want him to be able to kind of seamlessly move into the quarterback's role and, and, and take things over. And he, and he certainly got off to a pretty solid start last week. Yeah, even though they did emphasize the run last week, they had two running backs go over 100 yards, Horatio Banks. Had 134, Juwan Edwards 109. For a first game, Mann played pretty well. He threw for 203 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. It sounds like, and when you listen to Lembo's press conference this week, that they're trying to do the same thing Iowa does, is achieve balance. Yeah, I think ultimately that's kind of their, their season-long objective. And, you know, they've got a couple of pretty good backs. I mean, Jawan Edwards is a kid who led them in rushing last season, but Horatio Banks was a kid that was kind of en route to, to do that until he got injured and missed the final few games of the year again last last season. And, uh, you know, so they've got a couple of backs that, that certainly can be productive. You know, Mann is, is uh, you know, he's, he came in pretty highly regarded. He, he's a kid that, uh, you know, he threw – Threw uh, you know for 200 yards last week, threw the ball 32 times, completed 20 of them. And it's a uh, you know it's a situation where he's got a few uh, a few pretty good weapons uh, you know, and including a receiver who had 11 catches last week in, in Kayvon Maven. And and, and it's uh, it's a uh, the type of an offense that I was certainly going to be tested uh, in a multitude of ways. And and uh, given given the shakiness of that pass defense a week ago, that's uh, that's a little unsettling. What do you think Ball State will try to do? to attack Iowa's defense, especially after the UNI game where they had those big plays? Well, I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, you can you can expect them to try to throw the ball deep some. I think uh, uh, they're going to be smart. His longest pass last week was 34 yards in terms of completion, and uh, they're, they're, you know, a, a clock management type team. They like that up-tempo thing. They're going to try to move it, move it any way they can. And uh, with, with the depth that they have at running back and with the, the group of receivers that they have, which is a fairly young group, um, you know, I think they'll probably try to establish the run early, get some things going on the ground, but don't don't be surprised to see Man put it up in the air quite a bit as well. Most people thought going into this season, the biggest question marks for the Ball State Cardinals would be on defense. They've got some new defensive coaches. Uh, they had a lot of turnover on defense last year, yet in last week's game, they held Colgate to only nine first downs, only 10 points, which is the fewest points scored by a Ball State opponent in the Pete Lembo era. And they... Uh, held Colgate to only two of 13 on third down, and they produced five, three, and outs. Those are pretty good stats, regardless of who you were playing in your opening game. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good start for a for a staff with a new defensive coordinator, and I, I think it's a you know a testament to his ability to come in and get the kids to buy in initially, and and, and it speaks a little bit to the opponent as well. Now Colgate, a, a solid FCS team, but uh, you know th- this is a, a Ball State defense that uh, will, will typically line up in a four-three type look, and and they'll they'll, they'll challenge. You and and uh, you know they're going to uh, you know they're going to be in a position where where they've got uh, they they do have some experience back they've got 23 guys back on the defensive side of the ball who who've lettered in the in the past but uh, it's going to be uh, probably a different type of, of defense uh, it's a very aggressive defense and, and one that um, you know may prove somewhat op- opportunistic for Iowa if they can uh, you know take advantage of some of that aggression and their leading tackler Ben Engel who had 116 last year he's been 
back, and he played well. He had 11 tackles in the season opener. Yeah, he, he's a good football player. Um, you know, and I, I think that's uh, um, you know that's something that uh, you know I was going to need to be aware of where he's at on the field. They, they will, uh, you know, they will give up some yards through the air. They, they Colgate averaged about just under 10 yards a catch on on Saturday, and and uh, I, you know I think that uh, you know they're they're a type of team that uh, you know they, they certainly will not be intimidated. I mean, they've gone they went to Virginia and won handily a year ago. Two years ago, they went to Indiana and they also went to South Florida and came home with victories in both of those games. A number of those kids, you know, are, have graduated. They were on the field in those games. But a lot of these kids on this team are, are, are players who, who were maybe understudies and, and, and certainly experienced what it took. And, you know, I, when you look at uh, the success that they've had, uh, you know, it, it's certainly something that, uh, you know, Iowa needs to respect. And, and I think that'll be the case. But, uh, you know, you, you've got uh, Pete Lumbo, a coach who's had success. He has a formula that he believes in. And, uh, you know, their focus coming into Iowa will be pretty much controlling what they can control on their side of the ball, uh, both offensively and defensively, not worrying too much about what Iowa's trying to do. And, and that's a formula that's worked pretty pretty successfully for coaches who's had success at every step along the way. So thinking back to last week's game against you and I, you had seven players who rushed the ball for the Hawkeyes. Leading rusher just had 35 yards. You had uh, 13 different people receive passes, catch passes. Is that going to be the pattern we're likely to see in this game now with Greg Davis going forward, a multitude of, of people with receptions and a multitude of people running the ball, be they running backs per se or wideouts or people doing kind of an Iowa version of the jet sweep? Or are they going to mold more into a core of three or four people who are likely to get most of the receptions and two or three who will get most of the carries? You know, I think right now they're trying to figure out exactly what they've got and how to best use those players, especially with, with so many new young receivers. Uh, you know, we, we didn't see the ball go into the hands of, of Andre Harris or, or uh, Derek Mitchell last week. And, uh, you know, as those guys kind of kind of get used to being around and, and, and get used to being a part of things, it's going to be interesting to see how this offense evolves. You know, it, it's certainly a much deeper situation than what Iowa's had in the past. And, and I think the coaches right now are just trying to figure out how to, how to best use all of it. You know, we, we saw Mark Wiseman, you know, uh, his use uh, in different ways than maybe what we would have seen in the past. And, but when, you get, when it came time to kind of ground and pound in the fourth quarter and put the game away, that ball was in Wiseman's hands. And, and I think that's what we're going to kind of continue to see there. It will lead to an earlier carry than maybe what we would have seen last year from, from a Kansas area or Bullock or, or Daniels. It, it, you know, it's going to lead maybe to uh, to getting another tight end or two involved in, in, in the passing game or, or, you know, using some of that depth at the receiver spot. And, and, and as Kirk kind of alluded to on Tuesday, uh, you know, one of the things that Kevante Martin Manley did for this team last weekend was provide some huge third down catches. And, you know, they, they need that safety valve. They need that guy to, to go get the ball on third down and convert. And, you know, he's a senior, he's a leader, and he's expected to do those types of things. And it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, incumbent upon him to, to, uh, to continue to build off of that effort. And, and uh, it, it's kind of a neat little toy they've got right now. And, and I think they're trying to figure out how to best use it. And it's what the preseason is for. And they've got a few weeks here where they're going to be able to kind of play around a little bit and see j- just who can provide what. And it, it's a type of thing I think eventually, I think when when push comes to shove in, in, in November, we're certainly going to see the ball in the hands of, of you know, the most reliable ball handlers and, and receivers at that juncture. But you know, I, I don't think they totally have it down pat yet as to who those guys are going to 
beat. The more they show this kind of offensive attack, though, with the with the wealth spread around as much as they did, the harder it seems to me it's going to be for another team to plan to defend against this Iowa team. They're not going to be able to focus on, you know, two or three people. Iowa fans also got their first view of a young running back named Parker, who showed just how fast he is, and maybe one of the first little insights into a broader uh, look at Greg Davis' playbook when uh, Parker ran that jet sweep. Yeah, no question. And you know, Jonathan Parker and Akram Wobbly is another guy that, that did not carry last week. That, that uh, you know, some of the veteran backs have been talking about since spring as two players who, who bring a totally different dimension to the Iowa offense in terms of their quickness. And, and uh, you know, I think we're going to see a few more of those things as, as those as those guys get a little more involved and, and and get a little more experience under their belt. You know, there's certainly you're not going to lose that level of trust that's always been a part there. I mean. You, with Kirk, I mean, if if a, if a player goes in and, and fumbles, he, he's probably going to pay for it in terms of lost playing time. If a player goes in and contributes and does a pretty decent job, they're probably going to turn to him again. And and I think that's you know that's that's always been the objective, and and I don't think that's going to change. You know, whoever values the football and, and takes care of it is going to get an opportunity. And, and if you produce when you get one chance, you're probably going to get a second. And the other thing, I guess, the advantage of having that many people touch the ball is in in you and I and and. Scott Docterman and Marv Cook all talked about it last year, was how beat up Mark Weissman got over the course of the season. And certainly when he came back in in the fourth quarter when they needed some of those short yardage gains, uh, he looked completely fresh. And certainly as, as he's pounding on a tired defense, I, I think it's, it, it's a wonderful idea and, and something that, uh, you know, Iowa was na- unable to do a year ago is, is the physical toll of, of, you know, 25 and 30 carries early in the season kind of, you know, cumulatively took it took its toll on, on Wiseman's body. And we've seen that really the last couple of years. And Kirk alluded to it on press day that, you know, they, they want Mark Wiseman fresh in the fourth quarter of games and in the fourth quarter of the season. You know, that means, if that means sacrificing a couple of carries against, uh, you know, Northern Iowa or Ball State, I think that's probably worth it in the long run from their perspective. And uh, especially when you've got other guys who, who certainly have shown that they're capable of handling the load. And, you know, you know the way that... Uh, Roshan Daniels ran on Saturday. It was very encouraging. You know, we saw a little bit of that a year ago. Uh, and then he had a couple of drops, and then we didn't see much of it after that. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, they've got different styles of backs that they can put on the field, and if they can continue to do that, it, it, there's some, certainly some interesting possibilities. After this break, Steve provides his keys to the Ball State game, talks some Big Ten, and looks ahead to Iowa State. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. And you can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. (music) 
Well, Ball State is uh, is no stranger to playing Big Ten teams, and it's won its last two games against a Big Ten foe, beating Indiana both in 2011 and 2012. Given what little we know so far about both teams, and the fact that really no team has been able over all the last year and in the opening game this year to run very well against Iowa, what are your keys to this game, and who, who do you think will be the most important performers for the Hawkeyes on both offense and defense I think that you know Iowa probably will come come out and, and, and try to do what they what they attempted to do last week and uh, you know they're going to take the ball right at at ball state and and I think that uh, it's the tone early on uh, in terms of play of the offensive line and and, and there's no question that uh, I think a guy like Jordan Kanzer can have a big game on Saturday I, I think that uh, I think that we're, we're seeing different ways for Tavon Smith to be used in in terms of uh, you know the reverse that he was able to to execute the the other day, and then you know that's something that you might you're not going to use it on a, on a game by game basis, but it certainly is another weapon that that uh, shows that they have a certain level of trust in, in him as he as he improves as a receiver as well to, to be able to do those things. And so it, it's going to be fun to kind of watch this game and get a little better handle on on what uh, you know what I was about. But I do think that Kanzari is, is positioned to have a pretty solid game this week. I guess I'll uh, I'll take him, and and uh, and uh, there's no question that I think. That uh, you know whether it be uh, Jake Doozy or or, or uh, from the tight end spot or another another strong game from Martin Manley, I think there there will be some pass plays that will be need to be made, and and those certainly would be the the uh, most reliable uh, hands that we that we've seen so far this season. Yeah. Defensively, I, you know, I think there's I think this is a game where 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 the ends maybe can create some issues for Ozzie Man because I'm sure that you know Iowa certainly will try to uh, keep Man honest and and um, perhaps put a little heat on him that may. Maybe he hasn't felt yet. And with a new quarterback, I think you want to uh, you want to test him a little bit. And, you know, I, I would think that a you know Nate Meyer who stepped into the lineup or certainly Drew Otto who has plenty of experience. I, I think are, are in a position to to create a little havoc this week. One thing to watch for me will be the performance of both offensive lines. It was a little interesting stat out of each of these two teams' games last week. Neither Iowa nor Ball State's offensive line gave up a sack. And you and I came in here with a very veteran offensive team and and returned four or five veterans and letter winners on their offensive line, and yet Iowa came away with five sacks. So just what you were mentioning there, how well Iowa's offensive line defends Jake and whether Iowa's defense can get first sacks of the year against Ball State's new quarterback, that could be a real key. Yeah, I, I think the, the fronts are, are going to be significant for this team all season, and, and uh, especially on the defensive side, until some of those guys behind them can kind of get their feet settled in a little bit. And, and certainly Iowa has the talent, not only with the two starting ends, but also with Davis and, and Trinket Passat to, to, to really exert a little pressure up front and, and make a difference. And I, and I think that's kind of what we saw last week. And certainly, uh, you know, it was a good starting point, but uh, they, they're alluded to they're going to have to improve each and every week if, if they want to. To, uh, to perform at a level where they're going to need to in the Big Ten. Let's close out here this week with some quick observations on the Big Ten. A very good opening weekend overall and a surprise with Rutgers going out to Washington and beating Washington State in Seattle. Probably the biggest disappointment was Wisconsin losing to LSU after having a big lead earlier in that game. But this uh, coming Saturday, there's some big games again for the Big Ten Conference in terms of, of rebuilding, if, if you want to use that term, it's reputation a little bit. You've got Michigan at Notre Dame and, and 
in in the last series in the last game in that series at least for the foreseeable future you have the ball state iowa game which i think would be interesting northern illinois at northwestern northwestern trying to rebound from its loss to cal last week interesting game in virginia tech at ohio state but maybe the game of the week for the big 10 michigan state at oregon yeah probably one of the bigger games in the country this week no question two top 10 teams and, and two of the most diverse styles you'll, you'll ever see uh, um, you know michigan state being such a, a strong defensive team uh, in recent seasons and, and oregon with its you know wide open scoring uh, approach and it's going to be uh, you know a battle of wills out in eugene and they're having trouble a couple of games out there in the past it's not it's not an easy place to play and uh, when those fans get those duck calls going it, it can be an intimidating situation for proponents who aren't ready for it and uh, you know this will be a really good test for Michigan State and, and uh, Mark Antonio spent a lot of time during the preseason talking about how this team could not afford to get complacent and and, and uh, this will be a, a real test as to you know to where the Spartans are heading into into the heart of the season it, it, it's a good it's a good test and, and the type of game you, you would like to see a lot of during the course of the preseason I, you know you, you mentioned touched on the Wisconsin game against LSU and you know, I think that you know the, the defensive linemen that went down in that game it certainly shows you how quickly things can change when, when guys are getting carted off and, and guys who maybe didn't anticipate stepping into a starting role or a more significant role find themselves playing minutes and, and in positions that maybe they didn't anticipate Badgers uh, you know weren't able to hold on in that one but it was an experience that I think that probably will uh, you know benefit them in the long run uh, they, they competed against a solid team but uh, you know top 20 type team and it uh, you know those are the experiences that help make you better in October and November and uh, it's what you take from them and, and obviously they've got some injury issues at quarterback as well that they need to work through but uh, certainly a you know a solid start there too. Now, interesting to watch how the first uh, 14-team Big Ten season unfolds. And to your last point, I had to chuckle during the Big Ten Coaches Conference call this week because one of the reporters asked Kirk about his uh, philosophy on preseason, or not preseason, but pre-conference scheduling of opponents and whether Iowa would be likely to upgrade its schedule similar to what Wisconsin and Michigan State and some others in the conference are doing. And Kirk gave uh, sort of a classic Kirk answer, but basically it was was that his philosophy on scheduling those non-conference games is one where he wants to create the best opportunity for his teams to grow and improve in order to play well in conference. Yeah, and I think that's the Iowa philosophy has, has at least for the last 15 to 20 years has been to uh, you know to play you know one game where you have a, a pretty good shot to uh, to handle an opponent uh, another game that might be kind of a toss up and then one that is is regarded as somewhat of a of a challenge and, um, you know it, it's uh, um, you know that that game has been Iowa State in, in recent seasons and you know and this year certainly Pitt would fall into that category as well so I think that uh, the philosophy uh, of, of stepping into these neutral site games as some of these teams have done. Rutgers went, went and played Washington State in Seattle. Uh, the LSU-Wisconsin uh, game in, in Houston, you know, the, the, those are the types of games that uh, if you feel that you can benefit to 
from. Uh, there's an opportunity to increase, uh, you know, certainly exposure for your program. But, but when you step onto that kind of stage, you certainly want to make sure that you're going to be a competitive situation. And one of the things Kirk said in, in his answer to that to that question was, that, you know, he felt that the, that Iowa was it was enough of a developmental type operation that uh, that it was uh, in their best interest to kind of continue to to schedule the type of scheduling uh, philosophies that they've maintained. And, uh, and there's probably some validity to that. I mean, we saw a ton of young players on the field uh, Saturday. It's one of those things that if you have a veteran team, you know you're going to have a veteran team. It's it's probably a wise thing to get yourself involved with. If you're Iowa where you're going to maybe have that team once every three or four years, you're probably best to avoid those kind of games unless you can you can selectively put yourself in the right situation. And that's tough to do anymore. Uh, schedules are completed so far in advance that uh, those things have changed. And, you know, frankly, you're in, a, in another year or two, we're going to see Iowa playing some Big Ten games in September. So the development is going to have to happen a lot quicker because they're going to, the stakes will be higher, certainly starting in about two years when, when that Big Ten goes to nine games. One closing thought, and I'm not trying to look ahead past the Ball State game because I think this is a it's a big game for Iowa and it could be a tough game. But thinking to the following week where you do have the Hawkeyes hosting Iowa State and then coming off of what happened last Saturday at the end of the game last week, I tweeted something to the effect that it's clear that UNI is the second best major college football team in the state after Iowa. And that generated a, quite a few funny responses. But uh, Iowa State's going to have to grow pretty fast to be competitive in many of its remaining games this year. Well, I'm losing Quentin Bundridge for the season to, to an ACL certainly isn't going to help things. Iowa got a taste of what what their receiver was about last year. And, you know, the Cyclones have Kansas State at, at home this weekend and, and you know, already in, in conference play there. So, yeah, they, it was a rough start against a, a really solid team, uh, you know, very comparable to you and I. And, and uh, it, it proved to be a struggle after a quick start for the Cyclones. So, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do against Bill Snyder's team this, this week and how they show up uh, uh, the following Saturday at Kinnick. What if we're still doing this when we're 50? It would be nice to have that kind of job security. An added drop-in for this week's show, you heard Steve and I talking about head coach Kirk Ferentz's response to a scheduling question during this past week's Big Ten Coaches Conference call. Here's his answer. We've, we've played our schedule historically, and uh, that's, what, that's what you do in September. So for us, it's about playing whoever's on our schedule, going out and playing to the best of our ability, and hopefully improving with each week. And typically our teams, the good teams that we've had have been better in November than they were in uh, September. And you know, I think if, if you look at how we recruit, and uh, the nature of our recruiting, uh, that's probably representative of our whole program. You know, typically players get better as uh, seasons go on and as their careers go on. So, you know, if you're, if you're at one of those schools where you can get, you know, a bunch of four and five star recruits, probably uh, you, know, you can play about whoever you feel like playing. <laughs> Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs.
Thanks, as always, to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. You can always call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.